Coming to you live from the Sun and Sail Studios. We are the Fourth Pillar. I'm Aaron. I'm Chris. And I am pre-recorded Scott. <laughs> pre-recorded pre Scott. This is our second show, folks. Uh, we are just getting started. We'd love it if you would check out our website at fourth, uh, ForgottenFourth.com. That uh, we, we're going to have our posts on Spotify and Google, Google Play. Play. Pretty much anything you can listen to podcasts on, we're there now. Yeah. We also are going to be uploading our videos, or well, not videos, just audio, yeah. to YouTube. Yeah, maybe someday in the future we'll have uh, have some video presentation. But yeah, we'll, see. we'll see. We'll see. But make sure you like, subscribe, hit that little notification bell, and share with others. Today we wanted to talk a little bit about Trump's new proposed executive order Oof. for bringing... Patriotic education. Hitler Youth. <laughs> oh, not just Hitler. <laughs> you know, I mean, th this is this is a page straight out of the authoritarian playbook. You know, we have demonized the press. We have blamed dissent on foreigners and paid protesters. Uh, we we have uh, you know legal action being taken against the enemies of Trump. But now. He wants to have instituted nationwide patriotic education, one that was going to whitewash, no pun intended, all of America's sordid history to bring love for our nation back to the youth so they can love it with all their hearts and their souls. Okay, well, I mean... As far as the, the patriotic education goes, it's not going to be just limited to, to students and children. We're already seeing in the military that uh, the Trump has ordered to the different departments, uh, and this was reported uh, specifically in the Air Force, that they're removing cultural sensitivity programs and essentially any sort of program or educational lecture that teaches that America is in any way racist, or that white people benefit from institutional racism. Which... Well, of course not. I mean, that's. <laughs> I feel like this is. Uh, yeah. I don't want to say it's not a big deal because it is a big deal, uh, but it's definitely nothing new. I mean, if you look at any of our history books, we constantly downplay things that we've done, like to Native Americans, South or America, Japanese after <laughs> Pearl Harbor. Yeah, the detention uh, centers. Yeah. So I mean. It, <laughs> There, hey, think, we have detention centers today, guys. Yeah, and I think yeah, that's something that happens. I'm not saying that we're unique in that. That, that, that happens globally. Uh, it's uh, almost human nature to try to sweep under the rug the things that we've done that we dislike uh, and try to focus our attention on things we've done that we do like. It helps with self-image and things. Not exactly the healthiest emotional approach to life, but... Well, right, right. It, okay, but uh, it's, it's, not, it's not just... Yes, it's not just the United States, but... It doesn't make it right. We need exactly. to take a play. Exactly. Uh, we need to take a page out of the German playbook. They're like, no, we are not going to pretend the Nazi party didn't exist. We're not going to pretend the autocracies that were committed under Hitler's rule never happened. We are going to force this front and center. Yeah. We are going to own up to our mistakes, and that's what we need to do. That's what yeah. everyone needs to do. Well, I mean, here's the thing: any time that you've done something wrong, uh, or you've done something that you disliked. Uh, if you don't think about those things and you don't focus on those things, how do you ever plan to improve? Okay, well, that, that's, right? the, well, that's no, the problem, no. though. You guys are saying, oh, we're going to whitewash, we're going to cover up bad things. No, they're going to teach those things. 
The difference is, is instead of, you know, fighting them to be negative and, and harmful things, they're going to teach them in a positive light. Like oh, slavery yeah. was so good because look at the opportunities it gave to African right, Americans. Right. We brought we brought those savages out of out of nothing. And we look at this beautiful land of milk and honey we brought them. Oh to. my god, it's disgusting. <laughs> it's disgusting. And and that's that's what we, we see, you know, throughout all sorts of history. You see uh, you know, the indoctrination essentially around the original pilgrims and their interactions with the Native Americans here saying, oh, you know, let, let's think about Thanksgiving and how the natives taught us how to harvest corn and all these other things, these great things. No, that was uh, essentially appropriation. That, that was spoils of war where right. we literally wiped out, you know, dozens of tribes. Yeah, it's, yeah, neither yeah. The, the forced integration, slavery, you know, uh, rape and pillaging of the natives. Yeah, of course, it's all going to be painted in these pretty broad strokes. Yeah, I mean, nobody really likes to confront the, the most terrible parts of themselves. Uh, but I guess well, what about the ones who embrace it? Right. right. Uh, what well, about the yeah. ones who embrace Trump's base embraces those things. Although they, they embrace them, but they embrace them because it, it, it makes them feel more connected to our country. It's this patriotism equals nationalism, and nationalism equals love of our government. You know, and... and because who our Trump is the head of our government, they love Trump. That's how that all falls in line with well, their love. Which I find is a crazy twist from the party that thought we needed to shrink the federal government. <laughs> like I don't understand how that became a thing. It went from oh yeah, we need to make sure we keep our guns, uh, just in case the government gets out of hand and we have to keep control of our country. Uh, but then immediately, as soon as Trump becomes president, they're like. No, we're just going to do whatever he says. It's good. Oh, right, uh, right, right, right. This is exactly well, what we, we need, need to go, go, ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead. We need, we need to keep the guns in case that segment of the population, that government gets out of hand. Yeah. This is the government we like. This is the government that oppresses those people, and we're going to work, you know, hand in fist to, to defend that. Right. It's like it's like the NRA, uh, you know, standing up for exactly what you're saying. It's like, you know, we keep these guns. It's our Second Amendment rights to stand against the tyranny of our nation. And then you see a black militia group, and they're like, oh, wait, hold on. Well, yeah, that, that, that is exactly <laughs> we what... Didn't, we didn't mean y'all. Yeah, we didn't, we <laughs> that is exactly you. what the NRA did yeah, back so during good. the 70s with the Black Panthers. Yep. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, sure. my God, these black men are arming themselves. Well, let's just take a minute and not necessarily be all gung-ho about these gun rights. Right, right, right. right. You know, we only want those certain types of people to have guns. <laughs> Yeah, I, I tell you what, I feel like if uh, more black militia groups showed up to some of these Black Lives Matter protests, we wouldn't have a lot of these uh, Proud Boys out here shooting paintball guns at protesters. I don't think uh, that kind of behavior uh, would fly true, and honestly, I don't uh, think in that situation. True, and I think it would absolutely deter any uh, false flag protesters yeah. from going around breaking shit. I think also the, the police themselves would be a little more hesitant to be firing tear gas at very heavily armed protesters. Right, right. and that's protesters of all races. Trained protesters. Right, and let's let's not pretend that you know it's just black people out there with Black Lives Matter. Black Lives yeah. Matter is the popular movement. And it's recognized as being righteous and just by the majority of the population of all races. You know, it's it's primarily you know just white people who you know and racist right white people who are against Black Lives Matter. Right, that's true. Yeah, a lot of minority groups are uh, are speaking out at the same time. I feel like uh, they feel like that this movement has momentum, uh, which is eventually at some point going to have to be heard. 
and it, it is good, I think, for minorities to stand behind each other in times like this, uh, because speaking up on your own doesn't do anything. It doesn't change anything. You have to somehow get other people also to take stand. Right. Absolutely. Right? And sometimes that's done just from the example, uh, but often it requires groundwork. It, it requires, you know, going out, talking to people, having a message, getting people to listen to that message, finding other people that are also interested in spreading this message. I mean, it, it, there's a lot more work to it well, than yeah, I try, think. Yeah, well, trying to motivate people to not be scared. Yeah, absolutely. A big part of it, too. Be, you know, we, we see how the, the protesters are treated. You know, I know I don't want to be out there myself. I've, I've got, you know, other responsibilities that if something were to happen to me, you know, my, my children might not have anybody to provide for them. But I can provide assistance in other ways by, you know, being a, coming alongside and being a partner to those people. And, funding. Yeah, funding. Yeah, absolutely. Funding. funding. It's that, a big that's thing. absolutely something we can do uh, right here. You know, talking on the radio, trying to, you know, spread the message to the masses. Not, not that, as, as you said, they don't really need it because most people are on board. They, they yeah. in this. But, but I mean, this all actually goes back to your original point about our patriotic education. And you have to look at our education system as it exists today, where you have a lot of these civil rights movements in the, the 1940s, 50s, 60s, you know, where they were armed conflicts. I mean, yeah. Um, and, and our history curriculum just completely whitewashes it and says, oh, no, it was all peaceful protest. It right, was right, all right. people just Everybody joining agrees. It's like, like oh, hey, yeah. you know, look at Martin Luther King Jr. It's like, yeah, then you guys shot him. What happened afterwards? Right. The, the most, <laughs> the, biggest, the biggest day of violent protest in American history occurred the day after MLK was assassinated. And I, I think, you know, a, a thousand people were, were wounded or injured. There were dozens upon dozens of deaths. And, and by the end of that week, they passed civil rights legislation in, in Congress. That yeah, was a step in the right direction, but as we can see today, wasn't enough. Yeah, well, I mean, I feel like that's true of a lot, um, you know, particularly when we start looking at the Constitution. Um, the intentions are there, right? It's a, it's a well, first off, it, it's a magnificent transcript. It is a, an incredible piece of writing to begin with. Uh, the idea of uh, creating the, the basic foundation of any country uh, to sit down and write something like that, first off, has to be the most daunting task anybody could ever ask of someone. Like, we need you to build a government that will work for people for an unknown number of years. It's so oh, impossible, right? As but, time, well, hold on. Yeah, okay, okay, go ahead. Uh, so, so the founders were like, it needs to be a living document. We need to have make ways uh, to continue on this document, so, it can, so it, it can exactly so it can fit with its time, regardless of what time that is. And unfortunately, I think we're now at a point where we are willing to distort uh, what was what was intended with what was written, uh, so that we can write in new laws that suit whoever is paying the most at the moment well okay even going back to <clears throat> we the people we have to distort it today to include everybody that isn't a rich white right, right. Being being only if we don't distort that you know <laughs> which, we, we... which is the intention of it being a living document it couldn't be written one time and just be good forever that's not something that can happen right uh times are going to change people are going to change yeah even what's important is going to change uh over time and i think that right now 
because of a lot of that obfuscation that's happening, uh, sometimes intentionally and sometimes unintentionally, uh, there's a lot more gray area than there ever has been before. And people are, are getting very, very adept at twisting information or hiding parts of information to try to make things mean something that they don't mean, but that suits their argument. Oh, and, and besides that, is just look at a regular bill trying to get through Congress. Is it's being loaded down with special interests that are lobbying for it. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, there's always going to be things that are hidden or things that are twisted or things that are not even told to the populace. Well, yeah. a lot of that is the negotiation process. It's like, hey, let's take Obamacare, you know, um, ACA. I've got this this massive comprehensive bill. We've got almost enough signatures, but I need you on board. Well, how does that help me? How does that help my state? That's 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 the response. So so that's when you start getting all these things added in. It's like, oh, okay, a bill that's about healthcare suddenly has, you know, not a specific example, but it suddenly has something about uh, railroads in it for the state of New Jersey or, or whatever. And or like uh, the coronavirus relief bill now has, you know, $300 billion for a new jet. Yeah. <laughs> right, well, what, what does that have to do with the coronavirus? Exactly. Yeah. And you know, actually on that point, this is kind of important actually. Uh, you know, if, if you look at that just on its face, um, and, and then you look at, at, at popular media today, um, you can kind of tell pretty immediately that you're being lied to a lot if you just look at the way that they frame things like that, let's say for instance that there's a bill uh, it's going to Congress and it gives uh, $2 million to schools, $10 million to the military, and $5 million split up amongst all of these smaller bits of legislation uh, that people had to include into that bill in order to get it to pass. Uh, well, if you look at one news station, they'll say, Oh my goodness, look at these people, they voted against this bill, they don't care about children, that was going to give $2 million to the schools. Right. And then you look on the other side of the aisle, look at the media, and they're like, hey, those people on the other side of the aisle are garbage, they don't care about our country, they don't want our military to succeed, they voted against this bill, and it was going to give $10 million to our military. So it's like, no matter which way you vote, uh, or which side of the aisle you are on, that idea, that, that fact... Can be misrepresented and misinterpreted to mean anything that you want. Oh yeah, absolutely. But saying oh the, that that goes to show people care on one side of the aisle a great deal about our military. We already spend more than the what next top twenty next 10, ten ten combined ten nations combined on our military that already can afford to have some cuts. But see, a lot. You of know that... what they could really afford? They could really afford to treat our veterans well. Is what they could really afford to do. I'm Fuck yeah, I'm on board. But a lot of what you're talking about, you know, um, the, these amendments added to bills and stuff that one side or another will, will oppose, those are called poison pill amendments. Yeah. It's like, hey, here's this really popular bill that's likely going to pass. Let me, in the amendment process, and, you know, get this put into it so that everybody can say, no, 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 we're, we're not voting on that. Or, you know, it's a spoiler. Yeah. And you shut down that bill from being passed simply by adding that amendment in. Yeah. And this is the problem with career politicians, I think. Uh, th this is a large part of the problem with career politicians. Uh, once they have a vested interest in something, uh, they're very unlikely to change their minds, right? 
uh, as long as the money is coming from the same people, right. those ideas are going to stick for as long as they're there. Uh, the vested interest translates to lobbyists paying them money. Not always. It's not just money. Yeah, it's prestige within their party. Um, it's sometimes even just getting their name on something. Or career options after they're actually out of Congress or whatever true. position in the government they yeah. may occupy. I mean, it, it's, it's essentially as legalized bribery. Oh, yeah. And, no, no, that's exactly what it is. Right. That's what it's called everywhere else in the world. Other countries <laughs> look at our lobby process <laughs> and, and say, yeah, you guys have legalized bribery for your government. I mean, we don't do this here. Why do you just sit back and accept that? And the, the real answer is, is that we ha our two-party system embraces that. It, it, it essentially makes it to where the same two parties benefit from the same people. And no matter which side of the aisle you're going to be on, they're taking money from the same people. Leaving all the rest of us broken without representation. Yeah. Which is what happened with the founding of our country in the first place the revolution you know no representation great taxation without representation but no we didn't have the, yeah. the people of our country didn't yeah have but I, what i wonder is right now as things sit right now exactly how represented are we right we're still being taxed but we're not even being underrepresented right. we're being misrepresented well you yeah. have your your congressional representatives i mean uh the I mean, do we? How much gerrymandering do we have in our country at the moment? You still technically have a representative for your geographic region. You does might not agree with your geographic does, region. Exactly. Well, but does that representative ever represent anybody you know? Uh, Is there likely. anything about our representatives that you've seen in recent years that makes you think of somebody else that you know in your personal life? Or does it seem like somebody whose life is almost like a celebrity? So far, right, separated from everybody else that it bears no resemblance to life as you know it. I have uh, progressive representatives such as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I'm certainly not going to say it doesn't happen. Uh, I, like I've said before, I think there are good politicians out there with good intentions trying to work in a system that right now has failed its populace. Like, it, it is not broken yet, I don't think. But it's getting to a point where repair is going to become just immensely difficult. Uh, yeah, at some point you just want to just throw the whole system out. If it, if if repairing it takes longer than rebuilding from scratch, well, this comes back to the the myth that incremental change is the way to go. That's not gonna work. That's proven over and over again. It's not gonna work. Yeah, we we've been incrementally. Instituting civil rights. We've been incrementally getting fucked than, up the ass. Than any of us have been alive. <laughs> That's true. You know, it, true. It, it shouldn't be a daily, constant struggle for everybody in this nation to be equal. And, and it blows my mind when people talk about things like that as though they're ancient history. Right. You know, like they're somehow on par with the pyramids or something. <laughs> where it's like. Uh, no. There are people, people are alive, alive today right, that right. remember that. Like, that's not as long ago as you think it is. You're looking at one, Go two talk to generations Go talk from, like, to the majority of adults right now. Yeah, right. Uh, so, yeah, exactly, 100%. If you had a question, Go talk to grandma. She will give you the real deal. Don't read a book. Go find somebody that was actually there and talk to them about it. 
I guarantee that take will be very different from what you see. But, I mean, it's not just civil rights as far as race. Um, there's also the civil rights involving sex. And that comes back to uh, yeah. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She, she worked hard for women's rights in the Supreme Court system. Um, and now her spot is open. And Trump is looking to appoint a justice that is heavily anti-abortion, um, heavily theocratic, uh, supports his idea of patriotic national education systems. You know, hey, hey, here's a question, guys. What do you think our new nation's uh, instrument that's required to be taught is going to be? We can't do the accordion that was already taken by North Korea. Move. <laughs> yeah, well, probably, probably in this administration, most likely it'll be a banjo. You know, I figure it's probably going to be a recorder. Since those are, <laughs> those are in every school already, right? They're going to be like, we're not giving the schools an extra dollar for this. <laughs> you use what you got. You have recorders. Yeah, That's good enough. Here's your one dollar piece of plastic tube. Yeah, yeah. Teachers are now responsible for buying instruments for their children. The, the conservatives don't really supplies. like the arts, bro. I mean, no, they're, they're not. They're not going to fund any arts programs. <laughs> no, they, they yeah, will. But but, but but yeah, with the appointment of this gal, uh, as as we were saying before the show started, she is essentially a harbinger of coming into the government, the group that inspired the Handmaid's Tale. Oh god, that everybody has watched. No, oh, it's 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 atrocious to to think that. Anybody like that could ever be anywhere near a position of power, let alone be installed in one of the most powerful court systems in the world. Yeah, so what I think blows my mind about that the most uh, is that if we look at other picks that Trump has appointed, uh, and then we look at the number of them that still have retained their position, uh, <sighs> we're looking at a really, really high turnover rate, right? And we're looking now at an appointment uh, where there is not going to be turnover, right? Yeah. There is no turnover. That appointment is just there. Well, this won't be the Until first... Until you give it up or die, yeah. you're a Supreme Court justice. That's this, just how that works. This won't be the first uh, lifetime appointment that he's made. Um, and, yeah, and, and not just Gorsuch. Not, not even on the... Yeah, I was going to say, not um, even on the... McConnell and Trump have been, I mean, just rapid fire putting judges into power all over the nation in, in every court system... They, they possibly can um, to the detriment of our society really but but also against the recommendations of the bar association half of the the judges they promoted to lifetime positions don't even have any experience on the bench at all yeah, yeah. like they're all coming from the heritage foundation yeah you know I mean oh hey here's a super conservative crazy jackass that we want you know making decisions and yeah. they, next, next will be the group. demon sperm doctor. But, but it's, it's, it's <laughs> decisions like this that I think uh, a lot of my Republican friends that are now starting to realize that Trump is not doing anything good for them are also starting to realize things like that. Like they look at things like the My Pillow guy and the demon <laughs> sperm lady, and they're like, "Oh, <laughs> oh, that's not the face I want. That is not a good look." <laughs> so they're doing a lot of backpedaling right now, and I think that. Uh, they are also included in the opinion uh, that maybe somebody who's not so great at picking people, maybe somebody who's not the most stable uh, person we know, should be making these decisions. 
right? So I just hope that Congress keeps that in mind. I'm not saying that he's going to make a, a absolutely horrific pick. I honestly don't know enough about the background uh, of the people that uh, might be getting this nomination. Uh, so I, I can't speak to that. But I can speak to the fact that we need to make sure that Republicans in Congress also understand that this is a real position. This is this can't be, uh, you know, the Saturday morning cartoon of an administration that we've been having because they are also going to need these justices to be legitimate, right? Uh, Do they know? I mean, because, I mean, in reality, the, the Constitution says nothing about the number of justices on the Supreme Court. And, I mean, granted, for the last, you know, 80 years or so, we've operated with nine justices, but there's been as many as, I believe, just shy of 20 previously, and as little as five. So, you know, that, that's one of the big arguments here about getting the vote out is, you know what, Trump's going to, to pick somebody. He's going to fill RBG's seat. It's going to lead to a six to three imbalance in conservative versus um, progressive-ish justices. But in the end, it really doesn't matter because we'll just pack the courts. We'll just add five more justices. Okay, no, no. Well, even Biden has already spoken out against doing that. Well, of yeah, if he, yeah, he already has. Yeah, let's just yeah, okay, get yeah, rid of our, and, our Trump car right yeah. before he even gets a chance uh, to use it. Well, okay, yeah, no, he had already spoken out. He actually spoke out, you know, at the beginning of the, the, the presidential no- nomination run. I believe he actually said it again a few weeks ago. I'm not a few weeks ago, a few days ago, when he was being ta- asked about, you know, during the town hall, he had mentioned, oh, the Trump administration hasn't even asked for my my Supreme Court justice picks, which wasn't true. They actually had numerous right. times. Uh, but, you know, afterwards, he had been asked, well, what do you think about putting more people into the Supreme Court to be on the bench? And he's like, oh, this is a slippery slope because, you know, once you start doing that, next time Republicans in office, they're just going to load the bench up again. Well, that, that could just be political calculus. I mean, the, it more, could be. the more you start talking about that immediately, I mean, 45 days away from an election, the more you start driving out that opposition to get out the vote. Yeah, but so, he still so has a point. Like, he well, still has a point, though. You know, if if he does that, let's say he gets the nomination, he yeah. becomes our, our, you know, our president-elect, becomes our next president, and he immediately, the first year term, year of his term, he goes, we're going to add, you know, four more justices on the bench. That mm-hmm. way we can still keep it an odd number. There's still going to be, uh, you know, a majority and a minority, you know, and for his term, whether that's a single term, which if he gets elected, let's be honest, it's probably all it's going to be, or a second term, and the moment a Republican takes office, they're going to be like, hey, guys, let's... That's part of the strategy, too, though. I mean, because they, they've also talked about um, adding both uh, Washington, D.C. and Puerto Rico as states, which allows them each two representatives in the Senate. Ain't which happen. Well, it, 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 it very well happen. could, especially if we take control of the Senate in this. We if, you know, non-Trump party takes control of the Senate in this election you would essentially lock out the Republican Party from all levels of politics for pretty much a lifetime. Um, I I think that their ship is sailing with Trump, and they're realizing now they're either all on board or they're going to be left in the wake. Yeah, Yeah, that's the thing. I I 100% feel like we're we're seeing a 
a really big movement within the Republican Party where people are like, well, this is it, right? Either we're jumping off this cliff with Trump or we need to start backpedaling now because the edge of that cliff is coming up real fast, right? I think uh, we've gone past the edge at this point. I mean, yeah. Yeah, we're like Wiley Coyote before he notices on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Holds up the sign. <laughs> yeah, but I, I feel like uh, there is a larger gradient to politics than our two-party system accounts for. But I feel like we see that more in the Supreme Court than we do in a lot of other places, right? Uh, we, we will see people vote across the aisle on issues uh, in the John Supreme Roberts Court. has been fairly moderate. Yeah, exactly. Lately. Exactly. So I feel like there's uh, there's a, a, a very large gradient uh, to what people believe politically uh, and, and what the law says and can it be interpreted as. Uh, and I, I just hope that they find somebody that is capable of keeping that integrity, right? Mm. We have to be a country of laws, and in order to be a nation of laws, we have to have both respect for those laws and people interpreting them that are, have the capacity to do so. That's actually asking a lot, because anybody's going oh, to it, interp- it, interpret yeah, anything absolutely. from their own biased exactly. and, and egocentric And paradigm. that's why it's such a high position, right? Because what is being asked of you is something that's incredibly difficult. Right, you're supposed and to be held above reproach. impossible. Yeah. Right? I don't think there's any way to actually fully remove human bias from any decision. I don't think that's Right, just thing. like there's, it's not really uh, possible to approach this, you know, get to the speed of light. Yeah, there, there's, there are boundaries, right? And humankind just—we haven't gotten to the point that we are pl- purely a logical, analytical being that can right. be without bias. We're not Vulcans yet. We're not there. Yeah. Well, you, you don't want—you don't want every single decision to be based off of logic or. or That's absolutely reason. true. Also, you do want yeah, human absolutely. elements of emotion in there because, for sure, you know, a, a lot of the most powerful decisions have been rooted in emotion and it's not been necessarily the emotion of the supreme court but the emotion of the people in our nation um yeah. lgbt that's absolutely rights, true yeah, uh, I, I completely agree primarily came from the emotion and will of of the nation oh yeah that, that was another slew of protests you know in the 80s there the aids pandemic and the, the i mean of course the the rights for the LB, lgbt community is still kind of in flux in some areas but it has come a long way, but that's something else. There was a whole bunch of riots. There was a whole bunch of violence during those protests. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The hate against the LGBT community is one of... That it racism... my mind. <laughs> that racism are two of the things that I just cannot wrap my brain around. I'm not really sure uh, what's going on there. Like, why people why hate people care? so much. Why? Right, exactly. <laughs> also, uh, I remember my mama told me... Uh, mind my business, right? right? Mind your damn business. Right? Like, uh, let people live their lives. We are all here doing this human experience uh, the best we can. Uh, I mean, obviously, outside of criminals and such, but... Well, uh, they're doing the best they can. Right. Well, actually, (laughs) that's also true. I feel like a lot of times, a lot of criminals are literally out there just trying to do their best to uh, feed their families or keep their families safe. 
or that's why they're What do you define as criminals? Because a lot of the white collar rich criminals. Exactly. That's what I was getting at. Yeah. But I did not include those in the people I was talking about that are just out here doing what they can. Those guys are definitely, they've already done way past what they can. Right. Now they're trying to take what you can. <laughs> so, so that really does point out and bring up the, the dangers of uh, the names that have been floated so far for Trump's picks. I yeah. mean, these are heavily right-wing, you know, cult members, and not the Trump cult, but like cult religion members. Uh, QAnon and and uh, of, of no like like extreme Christianity. I mean, these are well, Sharia law Taliban Christians. You know, saying you know you're going to live your life the way that I dictate. Right. And yeah, LGBT rights are out the window. You know, with this coming bench, I, I don't know how Kavanaugh feels on it, but. Who gives a shit? We know he likes beer. He likes beer. He, I like beer. I like beer too. <laughs> I like some Modelo. Tears, tears right? down my face. I love beer. <laughs> it just always reminds me of that uh, "How I Met Your Mother" episode with Marshall, where he's like applying for this job, uh, but he realizes there's a video of him. Uh, as beer culies <laughs> out on the internet, so he's trying to get somebody to take it down. <laughs> I am beer culies. So I think about it every time I hear about that. Well, now that we've seen, you know, Kavanaugh's confirmation hearings in action, I don't think anybody should ever be ashamed of anything quite like that on the internet ever again. I mean, no, look, I feel we, like we appointed a justice to the highest court in the land. I, if there hasn't already been an auto-tunes uh, version of his interview, I think we should make one. <laughs> I just find it interesting that people still believe in the notion of privacy. Like, that's an actual well, I mean, thing that they can have. Like, look, if you've done things, they're there. out there. Yeah. It's somewhere. There are cameras everywhere uh, there are microphones constantly everywhere well i mean that yeah. that's been a yeah. hard a hard thing to come to terms with for the boomers and for the the gen xers but um and millennials to some degree but millennials we mostly we, we grew we, up we adapted in the, in the age of the internet right. um and then you got the, the zoomer generation out here now that doesn't know anything besides yeah that that's been their entire lives no matter yeah. What you do, it's going to be on the internet. So get ahead of it and put it on the internet yourself. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's where the zoomers go. Or, as I would hope things might turn out, don't do foolish things. Or, <laughs> unfortunately, that's not the way people are taking it, but I had really hoped that since well, there's always somebody out with a camera, people would just stop doing as many foolish things. You know, I but, mean... Man, people no. are going to live their best life yeah, however right? they want to. You're talking about... Like, nope. damn. Hold my beer. You're, you're talking <laughs> about pre-internet politics where people tried to present a modicum of respectability and decency. Yeah, that doesn't exist I mean, anymore. That, with the Trump era, that's just gone. Want people it doesn't matter what you say. Respectable and decent. <laughs> And then you, the footage will align with that. No, you, well, you no, just... no, 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 because people have a different idea, idea and mentality of what is decent. What Absolutely. Is yeah. That's true. But, I feel but like... with President Trump's new political yeah, education, we'll but all be like, on the same uh, page. Or we'll people. have to go get some re-education. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh god. Re-education camps. You know they're coming. Oh yeah. You know they're coming. Re-education yeah. already done. Uh, what do they call that? Uh, Good day conversion. Yeah. The conversion therapy. Conversion therapy. Conversion therapy. That is just the most ridiculous thing that I've ever heard uh, in my lifetime. 
And it is. He, it is. the vice president of the United States endorsed gay con- conversion therapy. That that is conversion therapy of any kind doesn't work on any topic. I mean, no. I mean, the dude calls his wife mother, guys. Conditioning yeah. only yeah. works as long as you are con- as long as you continue to be conditioned. It's how conditioning works. Right, right, right. Right. I mean, as soon as the impetus is gone and you're out of that camp, well, well, it is human nature for you to revert back to overcome. Yeah, you, you. Well, you have to be proactive about it. You have to make your mind. I am not going to conform to what's being shoved down my throat. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you have to. Do I, that. I just don't understand. It's not an effective method, e- even if it were right, which I don't think it morally is. No. Uh, but even if it was, it's just ineffective methodology. Well, I mean, it comes down to, to essentially what you're describing as brainwashing. It is. Which it's actually, brainwashing isn't actually a thing. Brainwashing was, was come up with by the CIA when POWs were back during i believe it was vietnam mm-hmm. were, were putting out these videos you know talking about you know terrible things of capitalism versus what they've seen in 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 their captiveness in a communist area and basically the cia is like okay well They're there's something not right here they've been yeah, brainwashed they, 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 and then the, yeah. the cia spent a decade trying to prove that brainwashing was actually something real it's not, oh, but, they, they succeeded. But really. plastically conditioning is uh, yeah. and inducing a Pavlovian response. That's, oh, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's real. Uh, but it doesn't stick. It doesn't stick. No. Human nature is very strong. Humans are very strong-willed. Well, I mean, you can you can indoctrinate, especially children, to a degree. Right. I mean, where they can that is the actually the golden. That's right. the that's the golden. Well, that, that's what the Patreon education exactly. is going to do. Right. Exactly. It's going to indoctrinate the next generation. But it, it still falls along the same curve. The more exposure you have to things that are counter or contradictory to that indoctrination, the more it falls away, and you begin to question. That's well, exactly. That's that's why you know you have those on the repub right. Saying, oh, well, all these, these universities are liberals. It's like, no, you're sending your kids to school where they're seeing diversity for the first time in their lives. Right. They're, they're, they're learning actual history. different than themselves. <laughs> they're, they're understanding these experiences outside of their paradigm. Right. And, and, and they're going, oh, my God, I was wrong. This is what my parents who've never left my hometown. And was. honestly, that is sadly the strength of the great American experiment. Right? Like, that is our strength. The fact that we have so many different perspectives and people that would approach a problem in a way that I would never think to do. Right? That's the strength of America. That's actually what makes us great. And and to see that come under so much fire lately is, is really just trying to cut our legs out from underneath us. I completely agree. Well, guys, I think that's it for the day. But uh, join us next time as we will discuss... Well, we don't have any idea. Well, we'll talk about that when the time comes. Yeah, we're, we're probably just going to talk a lot. That's going to be the thing. We're just going to do that. Yeah, make sure you uh, check out the website, www.forgottenforth.com. Uh, check us out on Spotify, YouTube, Google Play Music, where you can download our podcast and listen to it. And uh, thanks for joining us today, and we hope to see you again. Thanks, guys. Later. Peace.